welcome, welcome. As Mandy said, my name is Shannon. I am one of the pastors, and I'm so glad that you are here with us this morning, both in person and online. I would love to see like those hellos online. We really uh, just love to see that people are here with us, and so make sure you drop a comment in the comment section so that we know you are here. Well, if you've been tracking with us, we're in the midst of a sermon series called Encounter, and we're looking at how an encounter with Jesus changes things. How hearing about God and singing about God, again, how the worship team led us so beautifully this morning, how reading about God, all of those are good things, but it's not enough. None of this changes us. None of this transforms or even saves us. We must instead experience God and have an encounter with him. And we've combined this sermon series with a 21 day fast as a church uh, we're doing this together where we've been peeling back from some of the snacks of life so that we can more fully experience and press in to God how are you guys doing on your fasting yeah I know I feel the same way I miss my coffee tremendously but I have been strong I have been strong and I will stay strong that's my commitment All right, no doubt a fast in a biblical sense. It makes us ripe for an encounter with the living God, and we've put some things on our calendar as a church so that we can continue to encounter God, things like night of worship and our Wednesday morning devotionals and small groups. You know, this week I got to thinking about encounters, and now I'm not a celebrity fan person. Like, I could probably be walking Uh, down the street next to a celebrity, and I probably would not know this person. Not that I often go places where celebrities are. Uh, But I also, like, I watch morning news shows, or every once in a while I'll catch an award ceremony, and I'll think, I have no clue who any of these people are. Uh, But I do have uh, some misses when it comes to celebrity encounters. So when I was in high school, I worked at a famous ice cream place called the Custard Cup. Darling's Custard Cup, anybody know? Woo-woo! Yes, it's a fantastic place to get custard. And uh, I was in high school and I had a shift that night and my mom happened to get tickets to a play at Cranert Center, which is on the U of I campus. And so I called my best friend, Jennifer, who also worked at the Custard Cup, and I said, Jennifer, my mom got tickets to this play. I really want to go to this play. Can you uh, serve, can you work the shift for me tonight at Custard Cup? She said, sure. Great, so everything was worked out. She was working the shift at Custard Cup. I was headed to a play with my mom at the Cranert Center. And so that night I came home and I got a call from Jennifer and she said, you're never gonna guess what happened. I said, what, what happened? She's like, you gotta watch the news tonight. I said, I gotta watch the news? Like this is unusual. She said, on the shift tonight, guess who came in and got ice cream? I said, who? Tom Hanks, like the Tom Hanks. And she got to serve Tom Hanks a root beer float. (laughs) While I cannot even remember what play my mom and I went to go see. (laughs) Now to show that this is not a fluke, uh, later in college I was working at the Mettler Center which was like a high-end fitness facility in Champaign and I was working the floor shift that particular day and like I was like the towel girl. I was like folding towels and making sure everybody was lifting weights appropriately and at one point during my shift I walked from the floor to the front desk and there was a gentleman at the drinking fountain And as I, you know, just walked past, I said, hello, welcome, glad to have you here. He was getting a drink. And I walked up to the front desk and I leaned on the front desk and I said, oh my gosh, that guy at the drinking fountain looks exactly like Barack Obama. (laughs) You know where this is going, right? 
So the girl at the front desk, she said, that is Barack Obama. And I said, are you kidding me? Like, I can't go back now. Like, right, we've already had this moment. I said, like, it's awkward. I'm kind of awkward anyway. Like, I can't go back again. I missed it. I probably missed others that I don't even know to share with you. I wasn't interviewed on the news. I didn't shake hands with the soon-to-be president of the United States of America. I missed my moment. And as I was considering that this week, I became aware that I'm in a season right now where I feel like because of a series of circumstances, I have more moments than I'd like to admit where I feel like I've missed it. Where I might have taken some wrong turns, and for me this is specifically professionally, in my career, where I haven't done my due diligence and now I'm on the wrong road, headed to a wrong destination or just a destination I wasn't planning for or hoping for. I feel like my career trajectory has taken a downward dive. And here's the thing, I'm not even talking about some sort of devious or ungodly stuff. I'm talking about just feeling like my proverbial professional ship has sailed. And you may be thinking because you're my friends and you're my church community and we love each other, like you may be drafting a text message to me right now to encourage me. You might be planning as we head out into the parking lot after church to give me a hug and tell me that it's going to be okay. And I love that about you. That's what a church community should be like. That's what a friend circle should be like. And I'm so blessed to be surrounded by amazing people who are seriously the best friends in the whole world. And some of you who have been on this journey with me through this career issue that I'm having, you have been on walks with me, you have gone for runs with me, you have brought me ice cream, and God bless Gino, he's been on more walks around the block as we, I process this whole career thing. But before we have a chance to exchange text messages and before we hug it out in the parking lot, I've come this morning with a sermon I'd like to preach to myself. And I thought that you might also like to hear it, that you might gain insight, and that I might share some encouragement, because I imagine that some of you too may have come this morning with some struggles, with the reality of what ifs and what could have been and if onlys in your own life. And maybe you're like me and you've experienced a professional setback or a professional slowdown. And maybe instead of a career issue, you're struggling with a current life stage or failed relationships, or some decision-making. Maybe you're just here dissatisfied and discontent. Or that you've messed up some moment in your life and it has tentacles that reach into present day. And so today, I want to take a look at Jesus and a transformational encounter that he had with a woman at a well. A woman who, perhaps like me, might have felt like she missed her moment, where her decision-making may have led her down a path of regret, or disappointment, or even pain. Would you join me this morning? We're going to head to John 4, and the, the scripture will also be up on the screen, but we're going to look at John 4, starting with verse 1 through 26. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to a Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. 
He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshiped? Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Verse 26, then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. So let's just take a moment to set the stage for this story. As the story opens, we have Jesus returning to Galilee from Judea. Now verse 4 says that to get there, he had to go through Samaria. Now this is an important detail because if I think I might have a map there. As you can see on the map, to travel from Judea to Galilee, and maybe I don't, yes, there you go. Uh, it definitely was the most direct route to go through Samaria. But as you can see on the dotted line, uh, most Jews that were sensitive to the, the hatred between Samaritans and Jews, they would go around, they would add to their journey so that they did not have to cross through Samaria. Now, it would have been okay if the, Jesus had said, let's go around Samaria. Like, that would have been understood. It wouldn't have been a faux pas or anything like that. But on this day, Jesus made a choice that instead of going around Samaria... He was going to head straight through. Jesus chooses a direct path. And not only that, but while his disciples head into the city to buy food, he stays back and sits at the well. Jesus, in the heat of the noonday sun, stays at the well while his disciples go into the city. And on this more direct path, Jesus meets this woman at noon. Now, because we're not familiar with getting our water from a well, this one sentence in this passage might not mean as much to us. But this woman at the well at noon by herself speaks to her current reality. It would have been likely that at this time in history, women would have gone together to gather water in the morning when it was less hot. It was likely a social occasion, a place where women would catch up on the latest news. They would share gossip. They would talk about life and family. 
And it's not likely that this is a one-off for this particular woman. Like she had a Zoom call that morning, that morning so she couldn't make it until noon. It was likely that this was her regular pattern. She was probably an outcast. She was no longer invited to participate in the morning water gathering. Maybe she consciously made a choice not to go in the morning because she didn't want to hear the gossip and she didn't want to be asked questions. And now she's headed to the well at noon, part of her regular routine, except this is no regular day. Jesus and the woman each are making a series of decisions, setting us up for an opportunity for encounter. Decisions create an opportunity for encounter. Then the conversation begins. Jesus asks for water, a surprising request because Jews and Samaritans do not get along. And yet, going against norms, Jesus reaches out toward the woman. And through the course of the conversation, Jesus, he reveals that he knows her. He reveals that he knows the things that she has done and even what she's still doing. And he reveals that he is the Christ, the Messiah. And this is a moment that sets the stage for a profound transformation. The light bulb goes off. Something clicks. This moment, it changes her. And her encounter with Jesus, it catapults her to a platform and a stage for sharing Jesus with her community. Let me go on to read uh, in John 4, starting at verse 27. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. And I'm skipping down to verse 39. It says, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. I wonder if we were to interview this woman on the day prior. I wonder what she would have said about her life, her purpose, her plan. Like, would she have spoken about her life situation with regret and shame? Would we have found out details that would have given us insight as to how she got to where she was? Would she have expressed incredible pain, feeling like if she had just made different decisions, she wouldn't be in her current situation? Would she have felt like her decisions led her to an unredeemable life? But what if we interviewed her this day? Because then Jesus. But then Jesus steps in. But then Jesus shows up at the well on a path through Samaria, not around it. But then Jesus was waiting for her. At noon, in the heat of the day, and Jesus speaks truth to her. And on this day, this particular encounter gives her the push she needs to go back into her city. The same woman, the same story, the same history, but now transformed. And I am aware that it is her history revealed, combined with a series of decisions that made this encounter possible. This is the very thing that transforms her in such a way that she and many others come to believe. 
And I wonder if we can sense that in our own stories too. That our own histories and pain and disappointments and fatigue combined with an encounter with the living God, how all of that may just be the thing that shapes our story and shapes our voice in such a way that we can personally come to know the living God. That all of it, this path that we're on, that it is the way that Jesus is transforming us so that our own stories include the phrase, like the woman at the well, and many came to be believers. Maybe instead of dwelling on the hundreds of ways that things could have been different or should have been different or better, maybe instead of that, we just need to have an encounter with Jesus at the well. Maybe in the road of decisions that place us at a less than ideal location alone, at our very own version of a well in the heat of the day, we need to look around for Jesus who is sitting there waiting for us. Because sometimes I think we start to tell ourselves a story that the best of life is given out at 8 a.m. or 6 a.m. at the well with a crowd of people. That our choices or things that have happened to us have put us in situations where the best of life is out of reach. Or maybe just a part of life. Maybe if we were to talk, you would say that overall, things are really good. Overall, life is good. But there's just this one area that I feel passed over on. And that if we aren't in the right place at the right time, that we've somehow missed out. But friends, can I remind you this morning that Jesus is still cutting through some areas and he's still waiting at wells on the noonday heat. His deep and profound love for us desires us to hear and experience his truth in our lives. Now, Jesus might not have a revelation story about five husbands and a sixth non-husband, although he will certainly speak truth into that. But he might have some other truth that he needs to speak to you. He might want to speak truth that gets you back on mission. He might want to speak truth that ignites or reignites your passion. He might want to speak truth that reminds you you have not missed out. That Psalm 37, 23 is true to quote Fred Hammond, your steps are ordered by God. Can you picture yourself at the well? What do you need to hear from Jesus today? What story have you been telling yourself? What patterns and routines have you been living in because you think your life or a portion of your life is unredeemable or unchangeable or unfixable? Here's what I know. An encounter with the Lord, a word from the Lord, has a power to change your life. We see it in this woman. Her history doesn't change, but her future sure does. And some of you are here today, and you need a word from the Lord. I know I do. Because the truth is, the way that I'm feeling about some things in my life right now has me feeling frustrated and discontent and hurt. I need an encounter. But you may be asking the question as I was asking this week, how do I encounter Jesus? Well, I think that encounter is often intentional. And let me say this, I believe that being that encounter is often intentional, it's not always intentional. So we've seen stories like what Gino preached about last week of the conversion from Saul to Paul. We see this story here of the woman at the well that she unsuspectingly meets Jesus on this particular day. And maybe you yourself know how Jesus moved in a miraculous way with someone. So fully accounting for miraculous, 
unplanned encounters with God. I believe that for those of us wanting and desiring an encounter or a re-encounter, there is an element of intentionality. For example, if I want to do a whale encounter, like if I want to swim with humpback whales, like be really adventurous or something like that, uh, I can assume that I should not head to the desert to have my whale encounter, right? That would be foolish. Like, you would laugh at me if I tried to do that. I, I think it would also be foolish if I were to head down to uh, Dolphin Lake on the corner of 183rd and Governors for a whale encounter. That would be equally foolish. And we can continue to go through the list. Like, if I want a whale encounter, I could probably do a Google search. I could probably find out that I need to go to an ocean. I could find out who are some smart people who know how to have whale encounters. Uh, who could give me more information on this. And I think that we can use that same wisdom as we seek an encounter with Jesus. Wisdom says that there are places where I am more likely to have an encounter with Jesus. Wisdom says that there are people, when I encircle my life with certain people, I am more likely to have an encounter with Jesus. Wisdom says that there are patterns and habits when practiced regularly put me in a place where I'm more likely to have an encounter with Jesus. I might start doing some things that are a little bit inconvenient, like going to church or going to small group or fasting. And I might stop doing some things that I enjoy, but that aren't putting me in the best position for encounter. And some of this is simple and some of it is more difficult. For example, uh, social media. Some of you may be fasting social media during this 21-day fast. And uh, you would say that when you are on social media, for some of us, we feel more aggra aggravated and frustrated with life and with people when we're scrolling through social media. You see a friend post something and you feel left out or forgotten. Someone's home or relationship status or travel plans has you feeling some sort of way. And maybe you're aware of this. And so during this fast, you would reflect that your spirit feels different as you turn off the social media. Maybe there's a new peace or contentment because you've decided to make some decisions about how you spend your time. Another example that might be a little bit more difficult would be relationships. Some of you may be in a relationship that is detriment to your walk with Jesus. And that doesn't mean that that's a bad person, to use a broad categorical stroke. It just might mean that that person is not the right place for you to be. That house party when the parents aren't home, that guy's house, your old stomping grounds, certain type of media, those are deserts when you need an ocean. Oftentimes we become satisfied even with counterfeit versions of encounter. Some of you would say that you're spending some time in ponds and lakes when what you really need is an ocean. And the reality is that sometimes the ponds and lakes of life, they lull us to sleep. We're only half-heartedly intentional about meeting with Jesus. And maybe we follow routines or patterns, but true encounter with Jesus is not a priority. You're here every Sunday. It's part of your pattern and routine. But the way you live the rest of your life isn't flowing out of encounter with Jesus. And this can leave us feeling discontent and dissatisfied and living a halfway version of purpose and mission. But when we become intentional, we create opportunities. 
What spaces do you need to be in? Are you committed to meeting with the other believers, whether that's here at SSV or any other church home? Are you committed to small group and gathering in places and with people who will point you toward Jesus? Do you get prayer when you need it? Hey, we really believe, if you haven't noticed, we really believe in ministry prayer. It's why we take time to pray for people after every single service, both in person and online. When we invite people to pray with us, when we invite people into our spaces, we often see encounter with Jesus. What would it look like for you to relentlessly pursue an encounter with Jesus? Would your patterns and habits change? Would your social, social circle change? And here's the thing. As humans, we need regular encounters with Jesus because life is regularly changing. Situations are popping up. Tragedies happen. Breakups happen. Jobs are lost. We lose focus and our vision gets clouded and we forget who we are and we forget that we are sons and daughters of the Most High King. Encounter is often intentional and regular, I might add. We can also regularly encounter Jesus by being filled with the Holy Spirit. As Jesus was leaving earth, he said to his disciples in John 14, 16, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. I think it's important to realize that the Holy Spirit is available to each and every one of us. It's why we regularly invite the Holy Spirit and we say, come Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has the power to speak to our hearts, knowing just what we need to hear if we give him space to speak. The Holy Spirit helps us to do what we cannot do on our own. As Yvette said earlier this morning, we are sinful human beings in need of a Savior. We know that God is always drawing people to him, and so we invite the Holy Spirit to do the work in us and in other people. And it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can experience the fruit of the Spirit, like peace and joy. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we are guided in our mission and purpose. We often describe our mission to love God and to love people. It's straight from Matthew 22, 37 through 39, when Jesus is replying as he was asked the question, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replies, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. We know that it's our mission as kingdom people to love God and love people. And at the same time, God uses each of us individually to walk out a specific plan and purpose in our life. He has a plan for you flowing out of Matthew 22 mission, but your gifts and your talents and your personality, your expression of loving God and loving people in this world can only be accomplished by you. And we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can walk this out, that we can walk in purpose with confidence and assurance. And as we pray, we can invite the Holy Spirit into our hearts to fill us. Luke 11, 11 through 13 says, You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We pray for the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
And let me just speak to those of you who came this morning or who are watching online this morning and you would maybe say that you're not a follower of Jesus. Maybe you clearly identify with the woman at the well and you are seeking a first encounter. If that's you, I want to encourage you to pray this very same prayer where you say, come Holy Spirit. The same way that believers pray to be filled is the same way that you can be filled. That the Holy Spirit's power and presence in your life is 100% available to you. But I believe that encounter, it blossoms in the container of a Holy Spirit-filled life. I just want to invite the band to come back up, but I've been thinking about this woman at the well a lot this week. Like, I want to, I want to take her out for coffee. I want, to, I want to sit with her, and I want to hear her story. I want to hear what happened prior to this. I want, to, I want to listen to how she describes what happened next. Like, what was, what was her life like after this? I want to hear about her path and how she feels on mission and on purpose. And while I may not have the same, same story that she has, I believe that she's not so different from me and maybe not so different from you. She showed up that day with disappointments and hurt and pain. Maybe you showed up here this morning with your own burdens. Maybe you're here looking for Jesus, wanting to know if he's the real deal. Maybe you're even wondering if this Jesus that we speak about is even interested in an encounter with you. The woman, she left that encounter with Jesus with a very different disposition, with a very different outlook on her story because she heard Jesus speak truth to her. And I wonder if you and I might leave this morning with a different disposition or at least on a journey toward a different outlook. What transformation might you experience if you heard from the Lord this morning, if you gave him a moment of your time? What did you come in with this morning? Where do you feel like you've missed it? As we uh, close off in a final worship song, we're going to invite the band to play one more song. But I just, I just am very keenly aware in my own life of how I need a word from the Lord. I just want to hear him speak truth to me. And so I'm going to be very intentional as we worship. I've been very intentional this whole week as I've been inviting Jesus into my pain, into my disappointment, and as we close off with this last worship song, maybe you should invite Jesus into your pain and your disappointment and your frustration so that we can have an encounter with the living God. Maybe you can close your eyes and picture him sitting at the well as you approach. I know I've got some things I want to talk to him about. And I know he's right there waiting for me. Let me pray. Father God, we just, we just picture you at the well right now. As we walk up with our, our dry buckets, our dry vases, as we come to get water from you, Lord, would you fill us up? Would you speak to our hearts this morning? Lord, give us the courage to lay it all down at your feet.